Welcome to another episode. Uh, if you're returning, thank you for coming back. Means you actually enjoyed uh, the previous episode. If you are new, uh, fingers crossed. Hopefully, you enjoy this and you will come back and listen to many, many more. Um, it's a little starting to get a little cold outside. Um, not really enjoying that part. Uh, but anyways, um, today we have Sam Macy on the pod. Um, he's I've known him since Jesus. Maybe five years old, probably younger. Um, he's my godparents' uh, son. So I've known him all my life. Um, he's really cool, talented kid, individual. Well, he's older than me, so I'm not really a kid. Um, but he's into woodworking. Uh, so he does a lot of cool things with that, and we'll get into that. Um, and then that's about it. Um, again, if you could please tell one other person about the podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. We're trying to ramp it up. We're at, I think we broke 500 listeners that last week. Um, and so we're on our way to 1,000 shortly. Um, so let's keep pushing that. Uh, try and get the socials up as well. Uh, Twitter. Avery underscore friends. Um, that's the Twitter. Uh, and then the Instagram um, should be Avery and underscore friends. Uh, so search those two, follow it like a post or two, maybe even post on the story if you're getting crazy with it. Um, but yeah, let's get into Sam Macy. Sam Macy, welcome How's to the going? podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah. So do you want to give a quick intro to those that don't know you? Sure. Yeah. My name's Sam Macy. I uh, live in St. Albans, Vermont. Um, I've known Avery for quite a long time, but I am I own Sam Macy Designs, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, I am a artist, I guess, by trade at this point. Um, I have uh, you know, a YouTube channel and an Instagram that I work on. And basically I make and sell art. That's like the main thing I do. And then, um, any free time I have, I, I spend working at my parents' store. (laughs) So being kind of a gopher. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's get right into that art because it's something that I, well, one, I'm just jealous that you use your hands (laughs) to create this wood art and stuff. And I guess, for those of you that are listening, you should definitely go either on Sam's website or check out his YouTube channel. Um, yeah. Yeah. How, how and can they find that? So it- I'm trying to, th- the best way, if you were to like, just want to check it out, um, Instagram is probably the best way to do it because it's, I mean, it's super visual, right? So like mm-hmm. all of my stuff is, is on there. And, um, so that's all just under Sam AC designs and my YouTube channel is also Sam AC designs. And what you'll find there is I actually started the YouTube channel. I'm, I'm sitting in my shop. Hopefully some people can see it. I don't know if everybody can, but this, this is basically a full fledged woodworking shop. It's completely outfitted for like building furniture and that kind of stuff. But um, my YouTube, you'll find my YouTube channel is a lot of just building furniture and random stuff. And it's fun because you it's it's probably three to four years old at this point, but you can kind of see my progression from where I started just like building random stuff. The point being, I just wanted to make YouTube videos and show people how to do stuff. And you can kind of see it progress into what I do now, which is basically just make art. So I make picture frames and I can if you if it's helpful for you, I can kind of describe what a shadow box is. And it's yeah, basically. Definitely. Yeah. So so what I tell people, because it's kind of tricky to explain without showing them in person i think when people think shadow box they think of like you know your grandfather retires from the military and he's got like his flag and his his medals and stuff in this glass case and it's hanging on the wall which is essentially where i got the idea but basically what i've done is i've taken picture your a regular picture frame with a photo in it and what you'll do is take the back of the frame and then take the glass and basically separate it an inch and a half. So there's some space in between, which makes you makes it essentially a shadow box. And then I make on a scroll saw. I have examples in here, but I create pictures out of uh, different species of wood. So the process is kind of like 
somebody commission wise, somebody will give me a photo um, and I'll, and I'll try my best to recreate it in wood. And I don't use any paints or stains. It's all exotic and domestic woods of all kinds of different colors. I try to match the shades and the tones and all this kind of stuff. So that basically I cut that out and it goes in the center of the shadow box and then everything's handmade. I make the frames. I make, I cut the glass, I, the whole nine yards. Yeah. But and it, if you go ahead. Oh, it's just so cool. I'm thinking of the one that you, I don't know how recently you produced it, but the big barns at Shelburne farms. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, and the detail in that and the windows are 3d and it's yeah, like, I yeah. can't even draw something close <laughs> to that. And you're making out of fucking like little wood pieces. It's yeah, so it's crazy. I try, I try to make it as realistic as I possibly can. Um, Funny you mentioned the Shelburne Farms collection is actually hanging at the UVM Medical Center right now. It's basically, I mean, if you're if you've been through Vermont, it's the big hospital in Burlington. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right on the main floor, and actually, it's on display um, in the main hallway right before the elevators right now. But that is a ten-piece collection that I did. Shelburne Farms is huge in Vermont. It's a, I mean, it's right there in Shelburne. A lot of people. It's kind of like a wedding destination. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really well known, but they have a lot of really cool architecture and it's actually the Webb family. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's hundreds of years old they have a lot of cool barns and different structures and stuff that I tried to replicate just because I think a lot of people can kind of, you know, see themselves it, it's well known. So that's kind mm-hmm. of where I wanted to start. I ended up, I made the collection about a year and a half ago. Um, and it's kind of circulated throughout the state since. And um, I'm actually, I'm part of Burlington City Arts, which is, if there's any artists out there that listen, um, you should check out like your local art groups because it's been really helpful. And basically what I do is because I'm a member there, I, I just drop off whatever pieces I want on display and they kind of take care of the rest. They curate all of the showings and all the gallery stuff. So it's basically, it's like I said, the, the collection has kind of rotated throughout the Burlington area over the last, I don't know, year or so. Um, so it's gotten some eyeballs on it, but you can find me building all of that stuff on my YouTube channel. I've got a whole bunch of videos of the whole process. And I think, I think the one that I like feature the most is the farm barn, which is probably what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a 60 inch piece. So it's 60 by 18 inches tall. Um, and it's, I can't remember exactly how many pieces, but it's like close to a thousand. It took a long time. <laughs> yeah. It was it's pretty watching, cool though. It's worth checking out. Yeah. I was watching that video last night and there's just yeah. all the, like every single window pane is like, it's probably not even an, an inch like wide and you like, cut Oh it out no, they're tiny, tiny, yeah, tiny. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. And that was, like I said, I probably made that a year and a half ago and I've gotten I've gotten a new, so I cut it, I cut all this stuff out on a scroll saw, which is, um, I basically tell people like picture a sewing machine, but it has like a little tiny blade. And so you're able to cut really, really tiny pieces. The blades I use are like a 10th of an inch thick. I can't remember now, even smaller than that. I can't remember exactly, but they're, they're tiny. Um, but you know, since I've made that collection, I've actually upgraded. I have a Swedish made scroll saw now that, uh, is a lot better and a lot more accurate and I don't <laughs> break nearly as many pieces and I can do more intricate stuff with it. So some of my newest stuff is, uh, I shouldn't say it's more impressive, but it's a little more detailed mm-hmm. and, and precise. Well, yeah. Cause you're obviously you started out and now you're getting better at it. T- take me back to yeah. that first one you created. I'm just curious, like, what did it look like? Kind of, how did you, like you mentioned, you got the inspiration from the shadow box, but kind of how did that all come together? So uh, this is in, in, if you check out the YouTube channel, you can kind of see all this, all of this unfold minus this one video. So basically as I was making YouTube videos, I'm making random stuff in my shop, like, you know, stuff to hold my drills or, you know, this, this outfeed table I'm sitting at right now or CNC machine pulled. I mean, just, you name it. I was just like throwing random stuff out there. Um, and after a couple of years, it, I think we got to like Christmas time, 2018, probably. And I was essentially my now mother-in-law, Allie's mother, my, my girlfriend's mother at the time, I was trying to figure out a cool thing to make her. And because she's like always into like the stuff I make and art, and she's kind of like in the know they're from show. Um, <laughs> so I was trying to, I was trying to think of something I could make her that would be really neat. And then I was like, well, while I'm at it, I'll make my parents one too. 
So I, I wish, I think I had seen a guy on Instagram, like cutting stuff out on a scroll saw and my folks, my dad has a, my whole woodworking career kind of started in my parents' basement. Um, so my dad had all the, the tools and things and I'd used a scroll saw before. So I was like, mm-hmm. maybe I'll make them like some kind of cutout and then put it in a frame of some kind. And I'm like, well, and, and while I'm at it, I'm going to make a YouTube video of it. So I ended up making the first two I made. I can't say exactly the first one I made because I made them simultaneously. Mm-hmm. My parents and then Allie's parents at the same time. Uh, my parents, I did a cutout of our deer camp up in Norton, just a place we go every year. And like, I'd been there my, every year, my whole life, except for the one, one year I was living in Montana. Um, so that's kind of, kind of sentimental for our family. And then, um, the one I made for Allie's mom or parents, but mostly her mom <laughs> is of camel's hump. Um, that's kind of like another sentimental area in Vermont for them. She, you know, hikes camel's hump all the time and it's right by their house and things like that. So I ended up making those two. And, you know, they're nothing like I make now. They're kind of like, <laughs> they are like really rough. They're like, all the edges are kind of janky and the frames were like, eh, they're okay. And, and this kind of stuff. And then I had made a YouTube video of it. Um, and when I released the YouTube video, it's, it started getting some attention. And when I gave the, the presents as a, a Christmas gift, you know, they were like, wow, this is really cool. You could probably do something here. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I hemmed and hawed a little bit and the, the YouTube video started getting more attention. And I'm like, all right, I should, if, I, if I'm going to do something like this, I should think about doing it now. So I ended up taking the YouTube video down and then I made, I'm trying to think. So those were, well, your question was, what were the first two? Those were the first mm-hmm. two, but then it just kind of snowballed from there. And then I think Ali's mom is like a, a go-getter mm-hmm. <laughs> to say the least. So I, I can't remember exactly what the timeline was, but I started making some pieces just to like, show, you know, I made like a duck and a, like another mountain range and I kind of just showed them and they're like, oh, that's really cool. And this and that. And then Ali's mom all of a sudden was like, okay, so this fall you have an art show. We're, <laughs> we've, we've like rented out, not rented out, but we've gotten you an inn at this local restaurant. It's called Rustic Roots right in Shelburne. It's mm-hmm. just like a little breakfast joint. And I think they do lunch and dinner. Uh, I don't remember what days of the week, doesn't matter, but she basically signed me up for this, my first art show. And I was like, Oh, all right, well, I guess I got to make a few more of these things. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, I think I made 10 or 12 for that show, just still like random stuff. Um, and then once that kind of went up and then even before that, she started just spreading the word, showing photos to her friends and things like that. And people really just started to get really interested in it. And they're like, Hey, do you think you could do, you know, I, my, my, daughter got married at this place or you know my sister-in-law has this barn she really likes could you do that and I was like yeah sure I could I could try so that's kind of where the commission started rolling in mm. and then it, yeah at this point it's just kind of snowballed I've probably made upwards of 200 of them in the wow. past in the past few years yeah so wow. I don't know hopefully hopefully that answers your question but that just kind of gives you like a timeline um, and then like I said this past year I've gotten I've joined uh, Burlington city arts and I actually have my stuff hanging again in rustic roots, kind of like go back to my home turf, but but it's, Mm -hmm. you know, people at this point know it, they kind of fly off the walls there. And yeah, it's just, I've been able to keep up Christmas is coming. So, you know, check with check back in January. I'll see (laughs) if I can get it all done, but yeah, it's just, it's really cool. And it's really kind of just spread word of mouth and Instagram. I mean, a lot of people at this point, I have commissions coming in from, all over the states, uh, Hawaii, Texas, California, wow. you know, Illinois. I've got one sitting in front of me right now that's going to West Virginia. Just, oh. you know, it's just like it started out. It's like anything. It starts out like family and friends, word of mm-hmm. mouth. And then just kind of like as long as you stick with it, just kind of like balloons out. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's going. And I hope to make more. It's it's tough to do the shadow box commissions and gallery shows and things like that and produce YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad not putting up as many videos as I used to, but it's, I really, really enjoy just like the filmmaking. You, you could see in my shop, I have all kinds of lights and things and there's camera mounts everywhere. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a, that, that's just like another, another passion hobby of mine. It's mm-hmm. just like making videos. So it's at some point when I, when things, when we figure it all out, I think we'll do a combination of like still making YouTube videos and still making art and just kind of trying to mend the two together. 
Mm-hmm. So through, yeah. like, I'm just trying to gauge like kind of how you manage your time. So t- till the end of the year, kind of yeah. how many do you have to produce and how long does it take? I mean, obviously it depends on the piece, but your average piece, say start to finish, how many hours does that take you? So the, the mainly what I do is I, I, and Allie is like, my wife is a, a super website guru. She does, she does a ton of marketing and stuff for her company. So I'm lucky enough to have her, but she is creative. She created my whole website and it, I have commission. It's super easy for somebody to like commission something and give me a photo and mm-hmm. the back and forth is really slick. So that used to take a lot of time, just like that back and forth, uh, you know, giving me the photo and me trying to come up with a design and, and that whole thing. And that is like totally streamlined now. So that, that used to be the time suck and that doesn't take as much time anymore, but start to finish. I bet it takes me between eight and 10 hours to do a piece. And that's kind of a ballpark because uh, at this point I've, I'm good at like batching out frames and then batching out, you know, backing and glass and that kind of stuff. So, you know, when the time comes to actually get it done, it doesn't take quite that long. Um, but yeah, and, and, and there's different sizes. So it totally just depends. I bet, I bet a small one takes me between like six and eight, you know, an 11 by 14 is probably between like that eight and 10. Um, and then I've got one in front of me. That's like a 30 by 18. That's, probably more like a 10 to 12 hour project. Um, but it totally depends on the photo too, you know? So I've gotten commissions for like my dog or my family of 12, you know? So it totally <laughs> depends. It totally, yeah. it totally depends. But, and, and while we're on the time subject, I think it's worth mentioning like how I split up my time throughout the day because I do work two jobs and go to the gym and have a wife and a dog and all this kind of stuff. So my day in the shop starts at 4 a.m. And I work from basically 4 to 10 every morning in here. And then I kind of like take a break, eat breakfast and stuff. reason I start early is I'm just more productive in the morning. I'm a morning person and electricity Mm -hmm. is a lot cheaper. I don't know if you knew that, (laughs) but it depends on the the, like kilowatt kilowatt price is cheaper in the morning. So it's like, eh, it's kind of like two birds, one stone kind of thing. That's funny. Um, and then I go, I work at my folks store from uh, usually like 11 to 4.30 and then off to the gym and back home for dinner and stuff. And mm. yeah, my, that's, those are our days and they're action packed, but I don't know. We're having fun. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That is kind of funny. I never thought about that. Yeah. Electricity is cheaper yeah. in the morning. Yeah, it makes well, sense though. Cause it's no, less, it totally less makes demand. Sense. Yeah. Like if you look at like car production or anything that takes like a ton of electricity, they have like third shift is their biggest shift. Like mm-hmm. they have the most production at night and just because it's electricity is cheaper, right? Everybody's sleeping. So mm-hmm. price goes down. I don't know exactly how all that works, but it's something <laughs> like that. I know yeah. my bill reflects that. Cause when I work on weekends, I'll work. I mean, when you, I feel like when you own your own business or you're trying to create your own business or you mm-hmm. know push it forward, you just end up and especially if you like it, like I really enjoy doing what I do. And like, I, I like the time spent in my shop. So yeah, weekends, it's like 12 hour days too. just go walk the dog and then just bury your head in the shop and just get it done. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about the specific types of wood you use because, sure. um, which I didn't really, when I first saw them and, uh, just on Instagram and stuff, I yeah. thought that they were painted, but they're not right. They're actually no. all specific individual wood. So can yeah. you kind of explain like where, where you get them and how all that works? Sure. Yeah. So one of the things I like early on, I had just, I had just used certain species of woods to bring out those colors just as kind of like an experiment. I was like, Oh, this could kind of work, but I feel like it's one of those things that people really latch onto and it just makes it that much more special. Cause I mean, I shouldn't say anybody, but like it's, it would be a lot easier for me to just cut everything out of MDF. It'd be a lot cheaper. First of all, I wouldn't have to mm-hmm. try to source the woods from the places I do um, and just paint everything. It'd be mm-hmm. a lot easier, but it's just, I think there's that's that cool factor that people like grab onto because people will look at the stuff on the wall and then, you know, I, and all of my, all of my marketing stuff says it's like, you know, it, this it's only different species of woods, no paints, mm-hmm. no stains, blah, 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 no finish. Um, but I find like, if I'm, you know, people, once they see that, they're like, oh, I got to have that. And so I've just kind of stuck with that theme. Um, and so for my frames, I used, I try to use only domestic wood, which right. means basically stuff that you can source in Vermont or in the States or something like that. So you've got like cherry, oak, maple, 
you know, just like your, your basic stuff that like a lot, like you anything you could buy furniture in basically mm-hmm. is what I try to do with my frames just because I like being able to source them locally. They're a lot, they take up a lot of wood because they're big and thick. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just a little bit, it's a little cheaper and it's a little, it's just, it's just better that way because what we'll get into is the other stuff I use. Most of the woods I use on the inside are exotic woods, which means they come from anywhere outside of the United States. A lot of it is like sourced out of South America or Africa. I use a lot of African black wood, which is that like jet black stuff. Mm -hmm. But I've got a board sitting over there. That's like no bigger than a kitchen table leg and it's $600. So it's totally, yeah, it's totally unrealistic to make a frame out of that. Um, And then you got a picture like what an oak tree looks like. It's this big giant thick thing that grows really tall. Um, And then you look at a piece of uh, like a Gaboon ebony tree which is no bigger than like a little sapling. So you, so you got to kind of play your hand there. Um, but there are a lot of exotic wood dealers just out there. I didn't like, I didn't even know it was a thing until I kind of just started looking into it. So like those first pieces I made, I just made them all out of like maple and cherry and just like the random wood I had kicking around. Um, but then obviously I'm like, well, I need some blacks and some reds and some purples and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So I started just kind of scouring the internet for that kind of thing. And at this point I've got like, I've got a couple sources um, that I've, I think it's like any business you just talk to people. And so I've got mm-hmm. like a guy in Michigan that supplies me with a bunch of like my really figured domestic woods um, and like a guy in I can't remember where he's out of. It's actually cook woods, but um, I've got my own little rep at this point. You know, he's somewhere down south and he can get me like the blacks and the the reds and oranges and and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but basically the process looked it basically the it used to be a little bit different. I didn't have all the machinery I have now, so I used to have to pay to have it all cut down. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at a shadow box, the inside piece, the art piece of it is all only a quarter inch thick. Okay. Um, and so I basically used to have to pay them to I used to buy a big board and I was like, how much do you want? How much can I pay you to cut this into little boards? And then they'd send Mm -hmm. it to me that way. But at this point I've got all my own machinery. So I buy, I buy it in bulk. I just buy, you buy it by the board. You don't like, it's not like they can send you up a truckload of red heart. It's like, no, this is the board. And there's, it's kind of cool. Cause they'll send you like photos of it. They're like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you like this side? This is what the front looks like. This is what the back looks like. You like it. All right, we'll send it to you. So it comes up here and then I resaw it and I get it to get it to the thickness I want. And then, then it all goes from there. I have it all stored over in a cabinet. I even heard of a map cabinet. This is like mm-hmm. a term I throw around that a lot of people like are not familiar with. Is but it like what back, you would store maps? In? maps is that in. What you're yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like back in the day. So I think I've to, heard that before. Right. So if you went to um like, I don't know, like an old pirate ship. I bet you they had one to be like mm-hmm. in the captain's quarters. And it's just a, it's just really shallow, like wide, deep drawers. So yeah, you can store that maps. Makes sense. Um, and so I built myself one of those. And because all of my, it's not all paper thin, but it's thin. I've got all of my wood laid out in there and it's all organized by like tone and species and color and stuff like that. And so I'm like, all right, you know, when it gets down to business, I've got to create something. I'm like, all right, I need a piece, you know, I need a mid-tone out of like cherry. So I go to like my cherry drawer and I pull out the mid-tones and there's, you know, a whole bunch of options there. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, I've got a, I've got quite the stockpile of different stuff. But it's, I don't know, I, I get a kick out of it. I mean, I'm like a, a wood nerd at this point. I like talking to those boys and just seeing like, you know, like, what do you have? That's purple. What do you have? The only color I can't source is blue. Really? Believe it or not. Yeah. You huh. can get you can get greens and reds and oranges and yellows wow. and purples and every kind of shade of like every, every anything on the grayscale, essentially. But mm-hmm. yeah, blue. There's nothing out in nature that's blue, I guess. <laughs> we need some scientists to create some GMOs of some. Trees <laughs> yeah, to create, create some blue, blue trees. Wood. Maybe I'll try. I've, I, I could experiment with a couple of things. What I should do is like plant like a purple heart and then whatever else make blue. Yeah try to anyway Um, but yeah that that is crazy and it's something i never really even thought about just different types of colors of wood um yeah it's not something that you really see every day because most no it's not you see is either painted or it's just like that classic like whether it's maple or oak or cherry you kind of know those colors right and and one thing i've noticed 
uh, recently as I tried to be, because before I could just buy like little pieces of wood and I was fine. Cause I was only making like a couple shadow boxes a month. Um, but at this point I've, I've ramped up the production. So I have to buy it not in bulk, but like in bigger boards and, and, mm. and, larger quantities and things. And one thing I ran into that I was I didn't know I was going to run into was um, a lot. If you go to a lot of these websites, like Cookwoods, for instance, they have like just kind of a disclaimer um, about basically it's like our wood is ethically sourced. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And then you kind of look into it and you realize like, you know, so-and-so rich guy wants a full desk made out of this African blackwood. You know, it's going to cost him 60 grand. Mm-hmm. But what I, what ends up happening is they're like, okay, we can make a whole bunch of money, but then they just go clear cut like a whole pile of this. It's like, you know what I mean? They just like, yeah, they don't, they don't source it. Well, they just go like cut down a forest and then take all this wood out. And it's like, mm-hmm. all right, cool. We made our desk and we got our money and we're out of here. We don't care. And then the land's just barren goes to waste. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, there's all kinds of stuff that like that, that I ran into that I was. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of like an afterthought, but mm-hmm. and is that- to keep in mind. Yeah. So do, is the ethically sourced wood normally more expensive? I can imagine. Yeah, or yeah. I mean, I, I I would think so. I I yeah. can't say I found some guy like on the black market that's willing to sell <laughs> it to me unethically, but yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. It definitely. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So and I also kind of want to talk about just your shop in general because it's sure. very cool and there's a ton of spot different things that you've built. Yeah, um, yeah. I also encourage people to go watch your YouTube video where you do a shop tour. Yeah, um, I just did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just, how long, because I mean, obviously you've been changing it a lot, I'm assuming. Just I have. Fixing yes. things. How yeah. long have you been kind of working on it? So this particular shop, this is our house that I own with my wife. Um, I, when I first started all not, I shouldn't say when I first started the shadow box making stuff, but when I first started like the woodworking and really got into it, mm-hmm. like I said, I was doing it in my parents' basement because I was living in my parents' house, <laughs> but Hey, we've all been there. So I was using all exactly. my dad's tools and stuff, but the space I'm in now is probably kind of in an L shape. Um, but it's, I think it's like 24 by 24. It's a normal two car garage. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has, a bedroom in the middle, which is strange. But the reason for that is because it used to be a duplex. It used to be an apartment. Um, Hmm. And we kind of hauled all the stuff out and turned it into a a woodworking shop, obviously. Hmm. One benefit to that, and I mentioned this in the video, is all the outlets where the kitchen area is are at four feet. Like if you go to your kitchen counter, all your outlets are right there. Mm -hmm. So scrap the kitchen counter and all of a sudden you've got all these really handy outlets, especially when it comes to a woodworking shop. Yeah. But when I first created the shop, um, I guess 2017, I didn't really have a lot of stuff. Like I had the table saw, which is sitting behind me. Mm. Um, one thing I, I, I had like pat myself on the back. I had the forethought to think to, or, or to know that I was going to have to up, like upgrade this space and move out of this space at some point. Mm. And so you won't be able to see it. You can't up in the corner. Mm. There's this. It's basically, I made this thing I call the cage, which is essentially a giant cage of two by fours that lines the entire ceiling and all of the outside walls of the shop. Um, the reason behind that is I can screw whatever I want to those. And I mm-hmm. have not put any holes in the wall. As much stuff as you see in here, I haven't drilled any holes in the wall. So mm-hmm. that when the day comes for me to like skip town and get a bigger shop, I can literally mm-hmm. just pull everything out and like throw a coat of paint on it and, and we're good. Um, so that is kind of cool, but the shop started out, like I said, I was making YouTube videos. So I have all my dust collection and stuff set up. I've got the workbenches I needed. And one of my first purchases, just like building random furniture and stuff was a CNC machine. I've always kind of like nerded out about those. What is that? So the CNC machine is just a, it's computer controlled. It's basically a little robot that cuts stuff out similar to like a laser up or a laser cutter or something like that but it's just a it's a remote controlled router essentially okay um yeah it's like what a lot of big factories and stuff use i have like a small Mm. hobbyist one um so yeah so i so i had that and then as i kind of my shop didn't have a ton of stuff in it i was just kind of like buying tools as they came up on craigslist or or whatever just so i can make more youtube videos and more stuff like that but as i kind of try to started to transition into shadow box production. 
um, I started kind of, you know, taking stuff out and, you know, resizing my workbenches and just rearranging stuff in order to make myself more efficient for making frames and, and making the cutouts and all that kind of stuff I've talked about. Um, and so it has, it's evolved a ton. I don't think the only thing that's like original in here, as much as I hate to say it, is maybe like my drill rack. And the only reason I know that is because it's red. <laughs> and because <laughs> like I went on a kick where I like everything I built, I turned red or yeah. painted red um, <laughs> for whatever reason. So yeah, it's, 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 I've taken a lot of stuff out and put a lot more stuff back in. Um, but at this point, everything in here I bought new in order to make shadow boxes faster. Mm. So I have like, double miter saw i hope i mean if it, i don't want people to shut this off i'm getting too technical but no, <laughs> I've, got, I've got a couple miter saws i have a custom um it's basically like a big aluminum sled that you can cut picture frames on okay it it's a small shop but i had basically everything that a professional frame shop would have mm-hmm. a professional like production frame shop would have so i've made i think i've made decent I've done a good job with the space I have at this point. Uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where it's like, I bet you next time I upgrade my shop to something four times the size, I'll just outgrow it. I mean, it's just like a garage. You just fill it with stuff. Yeah. So, you know, at this point, but there's some cool stuff in here um, because I was making YouTube videos and I was trying to capture attention. I've got stuff like this sign behind me. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen that, but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a prohibition style cabinet. So it has like a secret button under one of the workbenches and mm-hmm. I hit in the, in the front of the sign drops down. It's a liquor cabinet, which is that's pretty cool. People probably think of like drinking in here, but I just thought it was yeah. cool. Um, and, and I've got like all the lights are all wired to their own switches and stuff. So it's like, it's like workshop slash like movie studio in a mm-hmm. way, but yeah, and I e- love it. Everything in there is custom. You built it. Yeah, you all the really bought anything. No, the only I mean, the only thing I've bought in here is the machinery. Um, well, besides yeah. that, all the every single piece of furniture in here is custom made. And it's it's some of it looks kind of goofy uh, because I've made it like I know how I operate in here and I know, you know, the things I need to grab need to be right there. And so mm-hmm. I've kind of just tailored it to what I use most and what I what it takes to make me the most efficient I can be. So you know, people are like, why'd you put drawers right there? And it's like, well, what if, you know, it's not convenient for you because you're standing right here, but if you're standing where I'm usually standing, (laughs) you just reach over and there's my, you know, whatever I need. So Mm. yeah, but yeah, I love it. It it works for us. Yeah. So where did this kind of, you mentioned that you, your woodworking career kind of started in like your parents' basement. Yeah. Um, But did you have, um, kind of your dad showed you how to do a lot of this stuff and you just kind of learned on your own? Or have you learned a lot from YouTube and the internet? Um, Um, Well, it's funny. That's a good question because everything has kind of, it's, you know, once you're in a, once you're in a certain position, you're like, how did I even get here? And you look back. mm -hmm. And so, yeah, my dad always had a wood shop in our basement and he always was like wanting to show me how to do stuff, but we only made like bookshelves and things like that. So I kind of had the background there and we always just would like tinker or make Christmas presents for people. So, yeah, I mean, as you know, I was always like in the shop with him doing stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but I always was like interested in drawing and art and stuff like that. And so one thing he did was buy me every single year for Christmas, he would buy me like something he saw potential in, in the art space, I guess with me. And so what he would just buy me like random art supplies every year for Christmas, just like, it's just like, it's kind of like a little tap on the, you know, even when I was in college, like partying my brains out doing nothing, even close to art. He was mm-hmm. like, hey, check this out. I bought you this art thing. So it was like always like a tap on the shoulder. That was like, you, you know, this might have like some sort of potential. Just, you know, keep an eye on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny because it all just kind of like snowballed. It just like melded together into like what I do now. And once I started, like sh- once I got out of college and kind of like, like I said, I moved back in with my parents and like all of a sudden the shop was there again. I was like, I should go down there and tinker. And then mm-hmm. I started looking stuff up on YouTube, like how to do this, how to do that, you know, what this tool does, that kind of thing. And I got really, really interested in YouTube. And like the next thing I did was like go out and buy a camera. And I was like, I might as well, if I'm going to try to learn how to do this stuff, I might as well, sh- I'll tape it. I don't know. I might mm-hmm. look like an idiot, but whatever. Um, and so I did. And then people started watching it and I was like, oh, you know, that just encourages encourages you to make more videos and mm-hmm. 
So, you know, that is funny. Just looking back at like all those little things all came together. And like, all of a sudden I've got this product that I produce that I've not seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, so let's kind of go into that YouTube because you've mentioned yeah. it um, a bunch. So like, yeah. you, like you mentioned, you just kind of started with a camera. Um, right. Have you, yeah. have you gone back and looked at those first couple of videos? Oh yeah. They're horrifying. <laughs> oh, they're horrifying. Like everything about them is bad. <laughs> it's yeah. fun. it's some of the first ones got the most views though. I don't really. It, one thing about YouTube, like if anybody is like interested in making videos and in my wife and I go back and forth about this a lot because I'm like, I think this is cool. I should make a YouTube video about it. And mm-hmm. Allie's like, well, it doesn't really add any value. Like, that's great. Somebody can watch you make something, but like, what do they care? And like, there has to be some kind of value there. And so what I find is like those old videos, like me making a box, it's a terrible video, but I do a really good job of explaining how to make a box. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so like the value is there. And the other thing that kind of creates a good YouTube video I found is like story. Like the production can be garbage. It can be terrible audio. It can be terrible video. But if you have like a good story that people can follow, it tends to attract a lot of attention. Um, So I don't know. I've gone back and forth. I make some videos. I think the bottom line is though, if you are going to make videos and you want to pursue that kind of thing, it has to be something that interests you. So if I go on my YouTube video every or on my YouTube channel, all those videos are stuff I was really interested in at the time and probably still Mm -hmm. am. So like then I had the motivation to make them and stuff like that. But yeah, oh yeah, if you some of the some of the first video, like some of the first videos of the stuff I made, I made a jockey box, which is like must have been like a second video I made. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's a terrible YouTube video. Second of all, I actually sold the thing I made, and I like can't believe somebody paid money for it. You know, <laughs> like you look back on that stuff and you're like, oh god, I'm glad I didn't put my name on that. You know, but ah, that's with anything. So how do you kind of come up with the ideas? Is it literally just like kind of what you're working on in your shop and you just say, oh, this would be cool for a YouTube video or because I know yeah, you guys were yeah. like remodeling your house. And so yeah, a lot I've of videos always, stem from that. Yeah, I basically at first I started making you know, I think I saw somebody make like a crate and I'm like, oh, I can make a YouTube video about making a crate. And then I, you know, like the first ones were just I, basically I just like robbed people of ideas, and made my own version of them. And I mm-hmm. shouldn't say I did that a lot. I only did that like a few times, but it was good practice for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then, you know, when Allie and I moved in here, I taped all of the I mean, everything we remodeled in here. We, we basically gutted our house and like rebuilt it the way we wanted it to, to be built. So there's a ton of stuff on that. Um, anything basically like at, at one point I was just always had a camera in my hand. I'm like, I'm just going to tape this stuff. And if people find it cool, like awesome, you know, and then there's a ton of like, there's a whole series of me building stuff for the shop. And, you know, if people ask me to build, you know, when I, we go to a, a CrossFit gym, which so is like a super, like, it's not like the gym you go into with your headphones and like do your own thing. It's very community based. So everybody's mm-hmm. talking and everybody, you know, then they find out you can make stuff and they're like, Hey, do you mind making me this or make me, you know, making me a media console. Um, and so, you know, if it's something I thought was cool, I would, I would tape it. And that's just kind of how they started racking up. Um, and one thing I found with YouTube, which is a little bit tricky is if you look at my, my first, I'm kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to dial it in. And I think I've got like a visually cool shop at this point, which draws a lot of interest. Um, but yeah, it just, I, I don't know. I, at this point, I'm just trying to make stuff that like adds value and, and, and things like that and stuff that I'm at this, you know, I'm going for that viral video. I think that's what mm-hmm. everybody's doing, but if, you <laughs> yeah. know, like I said, at first I was just making them for me. And I mean, I still am, but at this point I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to transition from the like DIY handyman stuff that I used to do into like professional artist mode. And it's a little bit tricky. Mm-hmm. And there's like two schools of thought, like you could, you know, gradually go into it or you could just like trash that channel and start a new one. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I had so much cool stuff on there. And I think people like to see like the progression through everything, the story that kind of unfolds, but but yeah, I just, I don't know. I still walk around with the camera a lot. You know, mm. my dad does too. He's a, he's a, yeah. he's a photographer. He's like a hobbyist photographer. So I'm sure I pulled some of that from him too, but mm. you know, I've gone through camp at this point, I've got a, a good setup that works for me and, and I try to tape as much stuff as I can. 
you know, with, with the busy season coming up and Christmas, I got to make her like last year, I kind of slacked off. So I gotta make a good push this year, but, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. yeah and just, even, even watching your videos, I was watching a bunch last night and not that I was, cause I live in an apartment in Boston. So it's kind of yeah. hard to do woodworking and yeah. shit like that. But yeah, even just watching those videos are cool. Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's kind of like those satisfying videos where you yep. just kind of like, and like seeing the different things in your shop, like, oh, that's re- like the different drawers and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I, it is really like, it's entertainment. It's enjoyable to watch, even if it, someone's necessarily not creating, replicating I, yeah, what you did. Yeah, absolutely. Like if I look at, I watch a ton of YouTube. I don't know if you, but like the stuff yeah, I, I watch too. is like, some of it has nothing to do with anything I'm interested in. I'm just like, oh, that's cool. That's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's that aspect of it too. But yeah, I like it. So do you see yourself kind of getting more into YouTube, do you think, than what you've been? I don't know how recently you post or how many views you're getting. I would like to. It's YouTube is tricky because you have to be super consistent. Mm -hmm. You know, the people that succeed are like, you know, every week or every other day or or whatever. They're super consistent. And they're like audience is always, you know, waiting for that next thing from them. And I think at some point I'll get to a place where I can do that. So I don't know. My school of thought right now is kind of like make stuff, make them, make them when I can, when it fits and when it works for me, cause I still enjoy it. And that's mm-hmm. the only reason I do I, It's not like there's a ton of money in it. I mean, at, cer- at a certain point there is, but I just do it cause I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, right now I'm trying to put out something that's like visually pleasing or something I think could be like a good viral video. And I have yet to figure it out, but I, I just think there's got to be something with these shadow boxes that I can make a video that I could spread and then therefore spread my business because, mm-hmm. you know, YouTube videos and Instagram posts and stuff like that spread like wildfire, whereas word of mouth takes a long time. And mm-hmm. so, right, you know, I, I, I want to use it to my advantage right now to try to, you know, get people hooked and get people interested in what I'm doing and to check out my website and buy shadow boxes and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and when, and, and maybe in my head, I'm like, all right. And then and once that viral video hits, then I'm going to make a good effort to be like consistent. And mm-hmm. even if I'm not putting out something that's like, people are shouting at the rooftops that it's so good. It's just something there. And it's like, because a consistent, the consistency thing is all you're doing is, you know, when people log onto their YouTube channel, your name pops up. That's mm-hmm. really all that's how the consistency stuff pays off. And, you know, after like two months of that, they're like, well, this dude showed up on my homepage like eight times. I should probably watch his video. And then you watch it and it's something you like, and then you binge it or whatever we, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever we do these days. So yeah, to answer your question, I do, I, I, I would, I'm not as consistent as I want to be right now, but I think mm-hmm. once I get to a certain point, I just have to force myself to be a little more consistent about it and just mm-hmm. and go from there. Yeah. Um, so, and then what about the future of kind of your shadow boxes and your company, Sam Macy design, do you kind of see like hiring other people to help you or maybe try so, and branch off into different. That's another, I think, I, I think it's going to go one of two ways. You know, I think if you look at, because I enjoy YouTube so much and I enjoy like the media aspect of stuff, mm-hmm. if you look at other artists on there, you know, they'll, they make a lot of their money just through like merch or mm-hmm. views or, you know, so they make, so they make like one art piece, but they, they end up bringing in so much income from other spaces. And so I think if I want to keep it just me or just me and Allie, I'll have to try to, you know, I think that's my goal right now mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's tricky because if like it's Sam Macy designs and if like, you know, I hire, you know, Cameron to come in here and, and make art pieces, well, all of a sudden that's like Cameron, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I there are famous artists like Tom Hardy who like that's like he doesn't even make anything anymore, but that's his brand, and people mm-hmm. make art and it sells as like a Tom Hardy piece. So I don't know. I I it's it's one of those things where it's like I probably could figure out how to make these things like a production piece, but I don't know if they'd be as special. You know, like if you were to, I don't know. It's it's tricky. Like if it would would that piece and sitting in front of me sell as well or for as much if there were Mm -hmm. 10 other ones just like it Mm -hmm. so i don't know i it's gonna who knows i think our our just that conversation two minutes ago about like seeing where the youtube channel takes us and seeing where social media takes us is going to dictate like 
how it spreads, whether it mm. becomes more of a production operation or whether it becomes more of like, like a, just a, a special thing that, you know, one person buys the piece for a bunch of money and then everybody else gets like prints or like, I don't know. I don't know. We're not quite there yet, but yeah, I can see it going like, I, I can see it going one of two ways. I just, I'm not sure which way yet. And that makes sense. Cause you're very talented and I, don't know very many artists, but the artists I do know, they're very particular about their art and they don't necessarily oh, yeah. want anyone oh. else touching it because yeah, you yeah, need to you... be in tr- control. And I know, like you like... mentioned, like the in the individual piece, I think that's what yeah. makes your art very special is that it's not kind of mass produced by some machine. It's handcrafted. Right. Um, and so right. I can see why you, you kind of have that struggle. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, so if like I hire even another guy, am I going to spend as much time trying to (laughs) fix it, you know, fix the stuff I don't like about what, you know, who knows, like, Mm -hmm. is the time I'm going to take to like coach, basically coach somebody else into trying to be just like me? Like, is that going to, is that time going to just equate to, I could have just done it myself, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's that balancing act. So yeah, it's tricky. I don't know. That's, but and, and I think part of, you know, being an artist is being like really hard on yourself. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm too nice of a guy. I don't have it in me to be like, all right, dude, that's not what I was thinking. Start over, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what I do with myself half the time. <laughs> I'll, I'll get halfway done a piece. and I'll just be like, this is junk. I got to start really? over. Oh yeah. Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, especially if you like put in like say five hours on something and then oh, you just this, scrap yeah. it. Yeah, this one, this one sitting in front of me that's going to West Virginia is a 30, what did I say, 30 by 18, I think. I mean, it's a good size piece and it, mm-hmm. you know, it fetched a lot of money and I sent it to, it's actually a woman from Hawaii. And so she lives in Hawaii and her long-term boyfriend lives in West Virginia. And basically we had this whole thing like curated. So I would ship it on a certain day and it would show up in West Virginia while she was visiting her boyfriend. So she could give it to this guy for his birthday. Mm-hmm. And it all went great until USPS decided to like throw it off the truck and it just oh, no. smashed to pieces. So when the poor guy opens it up on his birthday, it's just shattered. Like it's just destroyed. <laughs> so, oh, no. so, but what are you going to do? Like, I can't, yeah. I had this conversation with my mom the other day. I'm like, well, I could probably save myself a lot of money in shipping costs and stuff and just make a brand new one. But then all of a sudden it does like, or make, I should say it's his now make him a brand new one. But then all of a sudden, all that sentimental value is gone. He's like, well, this is, you know, like you don't want him to be like, well, this isn't as cool if you could just make another one of these. Yeah. So it's just like, all right, yep. Pack it up, ship it. Actually, I've got a, this, it's going in. It, it went the original trip. It was in like three layers of, I mean, this thing, you, I don't know how they broke it. It, There's so Mm -hmm. much bubble wrap and so much foam. Um, and this time I'm like, screw it. I made a wooden crate behind me and it's going in a crate, <laughs> like some kind of confidential thing. Yeah. And the guy's going to be like, what am I supposed to do with this crate? I'm like, I don't know, man, burn it. Cause I'm not paying you to ship it home. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. But that's just, I mean, yeah, that's just how it goes. I guess shipping art's mm-hmm. tricky. I mean, unless you're going to like drive down there, it's, it's just tough. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, so kind of outside of the business um, yeah. and working with your parents um, and then obviously you're woodworking. What are like some other stuff um, that you like to do? You mentioned you started CrossFit. How long have you been yeah. doing that for? So this is a, this is actually kind of a funny story if I tell the truth. Um, so <laughs> my current, <laughs> my wife and I were, we met senior year of college and at that point, I don't know how long. So she started doing CrossFit at senior year of college and mm-hmm. I ended up moving away. We kind of like went our separate ways. She did her thing. I did my thing. I moved out to Montana and like, honestly, kind of out of spite, I was like, well, I want to be good at CrossFit too. So I started doing CrossFit. <laughs> and so at this point, I think we, she's been doing it longer, but probably like the eight year mark. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of like, a lot of people kind of hate on CrossFit because it's like a bunch of idiots just doing a bunch of weird movements and get hurt all the time. <laughs> But I think if you do it right, it's not really what it is. It gets you in good Mm -hmm. shape. And it's, it's such a cool community. Like we just got home from the gym and there's all, I mean, there's all kinds of people that go to these gyms. And and I think even if you go to like a glow, like a regular gym, like planet fitness, there's a ton of different characters in there too, but you don't really get to talk to anybody. And this is just Mm -hmm. such like a community-based fitness program that 
it's so cool. Like tonight we had like nurses and doctors and state troopers and, you know, me and Allie. And it's just, it's so cool. Um, and we do stuff outside of the gym and I don't know, I just, we got hooked on it. I think once we both started, started doing CrossFit, we just kind of got hooked on the community aspect of it. And I don't know, it's just fun. Mm -hmm. And actually, so, I mean, CrossFit is giant, giant now. Mm -hmm. And when I was a freshman in high school, I, my dad was like, okay, you've got to play. So I played lacrosse and football freshman year Mm of, 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 of high school. Um, and I was like, I just, I don't like football as much as I like lacrosse, but lacrosse is only a spring sport. So my Mm -hmm. folks were like, well, dude, listen, if you're not going to play football, you've got to be doing something because they're all, they were always at the store. So I was like, either going to, I wasn't just going to go home and sit on the couch. They're like, you got to do something. (laughs) So I ended up joining a local gym and that's when I first started like working out consistently. And I think, (laughs) I wish I could remember this better, but my dad came as I had been going to the gym I was like I really like this this is cool this working out thing this is I mean I'll go for an hour every day and we'll call that my sport and he's like all right cool that sounds good to me as long as you're doing something um and and I really like kind of fell in love with just like being just fitness and stuff and I think it it must I've probably been going for like a year a year or two I can't remember he came to me and was like hey check this thing out this new thing they're doing called CrossFit uh it kind of looks like sport slash gym let's go this could be a perfect fit i'm like ah no no dude listen i'm like i'm like bicep tricep guy so forget about <laughs> that and i'm like thinking back i'm like oh my if i had started crossfit like 10 years earlier i'd probably be so much better at it you know this is like high in hindsight you're like oh you idiot you should have just at least tried yeah but i just totally wrote it off um but yeah and ali came from a running background so you know we kind of opposite ends of the spectrum like met in the middle and, and mm-hmm. we love it and she coaches and um, I don't know. I think, I think it turned her life around big time. Like she has totally gotten into that fitness space and stuff. And I don't know, I'm just still just kind of a gym rat in, yeah. in, in woodworker. So is yeah. it every day or ah, is I don't it kind of whenever you want? Yeah, they offer, there's like an offering of classes. I don't know how many classes there are a day, maybe like six. I want to say like there's morning classes, like a noon. I don't think there's a noon class. And then like some evening classes. Mm-hmm um so yeah but we go i think we go, we go like monday through wednesday and then friday saturday so we take a couple of days off but you know mm-hmm. even at, it's, it's it's totally like the workouts are totally varied like today we you know or, or yesterday was like a three-minute workout today was like a 20-minute workout so it, mm-hmm. it just depends you know you gotta like listen to your body i guess and depend how or figure out how often you want to go and stuff but no mm-hmm. we go probably like four or five times a week and that's just another one of those. It's funny. And this is kind of a tangent. So stop me if it's annoying, but no, when Ali was, Ali was doing these goal setting uh, workshops and, and basically she had, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but she had mentioned this thing about there's like these pillars in your life that you have to like fulfill in order to feel good, like good, you know? And so for me, those are like, I need a creative outlet. So I need this and I need to like, if I'm not doing it, it's all those things that like, you know, when you're missing them, cause you're like kind of in a slump, you're like, mm. like I'm missing, there's something missing. So I have to be like, exercise is super important. If I don't exercise, I get in a funk. If I'm not creative, if I don't have like a creative outlet, I get in a funk. And so it's just one of those things that like, you know, even after like working 12 and a half hours a day, I'm like, I need to go to the gym. I gotta, I gotta like get, the, you know, I gotta like flush my system, like reset. So yeah, that's, I don't know where that was going, but it's kind of no, cool that, to think about. I mean, it's something that like people can think about on their own terms and be like, oh, that's funny. Like I really enjoy like whatever cooking or like mm-hmm. if I, if I don't like cook my own meals, I don't feel great. Or if I don't play lacrosse every day, I don't feel myself or, or whatever. Yeah. And I definitely felt that too. Like for example, yeah. last week I was kind of feeling under the weather and I didn't go to yeah. the gym all week just cause I was yeah. trying to get better. And there mm-hmm. was like something like I wasn't like super sick where I was laying in bed all week. I was still working, um, but it just kind of fell off. And there's something about that. Um, I know I've seen this uh, quote, I forget who it's from, but they're essentially like there, you should have all your hobbies. Like one should keep, like you mentioned, one should keep you kind of entertained. One should lead that creative side. And uh, 
one should kind of keep you active. And I think that's really important for people because oh, if you're, yeah. if yeah. you're just working, like you said, like 12 hours a day or eight hours a day or whatever, yeah, you're just yeah. going to become in this loop. And if all you're doing oh, is watching yeah. TV all day after yeah, you get I, home from work, you're not going to progress mm-hmm. for, forward. Right. And I think a lot of people fall into that. It's tough too, especially when you're going to school. I always struggled with that when I was going to school, I could still go to the gym cause it was like right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to like, just sit myself down. I'm like, dude, just like draw a picture or like do something. You've got to just like get your creative juices flowing or else you're just going to become, I don't like just, you know, I I just had to find something to like, you know, I guess I took a couple art classes, which was cool, but I don't know Mm -hmm. if I learned anything I didn't already know from like grade school, but yeah, that's, that's no knock on them. (laughs) But yeah. And when you're in school too, I feel like hanging out with friends and trying to meet new friends is another huge draw that kind of sucks a lot of your time. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, that's, I mean, I should have mentioned that as my third pillar, as you could tell, I'm a talker and I had like, I have to socialize with people yeah. like, or else I'm like, you know, it's just, that, <laughs> it's just another one of those things that'll just teach you moving. But like CrossFit's like two birds, one stone, right? Cause we go in there half talk half the time and then work out half the time. So mm-hmm. that kind of, that kind of fulfills both of those. Um, so how, how big is CrossFit now, as far as like, do you know how many like people are in it across? Is it just in the U S or is it worldwide at this point? Oh, it's worldwide at this. It's worldwide at this point. Yeah. It's gotten, it's, it's kind of, we, we've been doing it long enough to kind of see where it's kind of stemmed from and how big it's gotten at this point. It's giant. Yeah. They do Mm -hmm. like, um, actually Matt Fraser is the five time fittest man on earth is from Colchester. He lives, he, he grew up in Colchester and actually lives in, I think oh, like wow. Boston now. Yeah. Huh. Did not but know like, that. Oh, like run of the mill guy. Like Ali was friends with him in college mm-hmm. and we went to a barbecue and he's just there. And then like, you can see <laughs> it and then you could go watch him on ESPN. It's crazy yeah. how big the sport has gotten. Um, but like, it's just like, I mean, it's, I know you watch a lot of football. It's like every single year, like the, the 40 yard dash gets faster or like, these just freaks are coming out of the woodwork mm. and the same thing's happening to CrossFit. And it'd be, you know, you're just like, uh, where does this, like, where does this end? Like how much, you know, how much are these guys going to lift? How big are these dudes going to get? Um, so like, you know, you, you look at like the first ever championship and mm-hmm. you know, half these people couldn't do pull-ups. And now you look at like what they're doing now and they're just like rifling off a hundred. And I mean, it's just crazy how the sport has progressed. So it'd be interesting to see where it goes, but I, I don't know. It's like, you could kind of equate it to like playing football in grade school. You know, you're like you and your buddies go out and in scrimmage and then you go home and watch NFL and you're like, oh, yeah, we were doing that today, you know? So like, we kind of do the same thing, but it's like, not, nah, not really, you know, so <laughs> we're like, well, we were working out and they're working out, but not mm-hmm. at the same caliber. So you have no kind of ambition to try and go oh, compete in no. one of those competitions. <laughs> no, no, no. I did. Ali and I have done a couple competitions and it's like, just it, fun. Mm-hmm. But at a certain level, like anything sport wise, it just gets so competitive. And the guys that are winning and the gals that are winning now are all they do is train. They're just, mm-hmm. con- I mean, that's their job. So they're just trained like every all day when we're at work, they're working out. Mm-hmm. And that's just like, I mean, I like it, but I don't like it that much. I'm good with my hour a day and just like, and then go home and eat dinner, <laughs> you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah. It's been a blast. Yeah. So what are, how do those competitions break down? Is it just them lifting weights or is there like running areas? So there's, there's all kinds of different stuff. And basically, essentially what they're, you know, if you break it all down, they're just, they're, they're trying to find the fittest person. So they're doing a measure of fitness. So there's like heavy, it's basically like who can lift. It's kind of like the NFL combine actually. So it's like Mm -hmm. who can lift the heaviest stuff and also run the fastest and also like swim the farthest you know just Mm -hmm. like stuff like that yeah um so so it's kind of cool actually like the crossfit games they'll do you know like olympic lifts so they'll do like your max clean and jerk and then the next event is like okay we're doing a 5k trail run with a weight vest and then the next event is like a swim and then pull-ups and you know like a bunch of random stuff so it's fun yeah it's worth watching if you've not checked it out i mean it's i think they do air it on espn like two at this point okay um but yeah, it's, it's fun to see. And there's some stuff that looks goofy. And I think CrossFit like kind of gets a bad name for some of like really goofy movements they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, once you're in that space, you're like, Oh, it's just like a handstand pushup. It's okay. He's not going to break his neck. He's strong. You know, <laughs> he's fine. <laughs> but yeah, there's a ton of stuff like that. 
Yeah. And I think uh, one thing people have problem with CrossFit and it's kind of like Peloton too. Yeah. It's like the people that have it, love it so much. And they oh, like talking yeah. about it, that yeah. it actually hurts yes, its brand yes. because people are like, oh, these fucking CrossFit people <laughs> no, are so annoying. It's like, like yeah, I don't want to go, go hang out with a bunch of those people. Like yeah, and I, that almost yeah. hurts it. In a way. I know we, we, we don't talk we try not to talk about it as much you know like mm-hmm. outs outsiders or whatever you know <laughs> it's like that vegan always telling you he's vegan or yeah vegan exactly or yeah yes i hear what you're saying it's like yeah so he does get a bad rap from that but now it's it's we're, the town we're in i i just don't think there's like too much tolerance for that they're like huh mm-hmm. what's crossfit they're like yeah. you know so so it, we don't get we don't get too much of the flack for that but mm. yeah <laughs> So, all right. So I got to get off soon, but I want to mm-hmm. tell you a story okay. that I think you might find interesting. And right. It might be I'm a little mind blowing. And I heard you swear. So I know this isn't like, <laughs> yeah. like, like put your kids to bed now. Okay. So this happened last week. Okay. I should have told this in the, I should have told this story at the beginning of the podcast because then people would be like, oh, I'm hooked. I'm going to listen to this whole thing. Well, we can but also just, add it a little bit. So, all right. Okay. Add that in. All right. People. <laughs> So we, so last week in this town of St. Albans, where I live, they Mm -hmm. found, I don't know how I should preface this story. I'm just going to tell it from me from the top. So there's this guy and this gal, and they got married a year ago. And last Mm -hmm. week they came to Bolton, Vermont for their one year anniversary on a camping trip. So, you know, how people are like converting RV campers into stuff like, like into, uh, or, or, or sorry converting buses into rv campers and stuff mm-hmm. that's like a thing right now with like yeah. the whole brian laundry case it's giant yeah, basically yeah, what yeah. they did turned like a van into a camper okay and so these two are they come to bolt they've been living in this van or it's it's kind of like a short bus that's how i would describe it but it's a big it's a big van they've been living in this thing for six months or so and then they go to Bolton on their first year anniversary. They rent a house with their in-laws. And basically the, the plan is they, the in-laws have an Airbnb and they are going to camp in the driveway and they're like converted camper van type of thing. Mm-hmm. So they get in a fight. The girl punches the guy in the shoulder and then kicks him in the crotch mm-hmm. and then goes and lays down on the bed. And then this guy waits like 10 minutes and he's like loses his shit and he go he grabs a gun and he, and he shoots her twice in the Jesus. head in Bolton now he doesn't know what to do with her because he kind of panics and so he sticks her in the bathroom of the camper and then the following morning he goes to brunch with the in-laws and he's like ah so-and-so is not feeling too hot she's gonna stick like stay back Goes to brunch with the in-laws and they come back and then, and then he's like, all right, well, that was great. Have fun uh, doing whatever you're going to do today. I'm going to just drive the van to St. Albans. Okay. This is where I live. So I'm yeah. recording this right now. <laughs> Gets to his friend's house with the camper van and with his wife's body in the bathroom. Gets a saw out of the woodshed, cuts her up into pieces, puts her in eight garbage bags, and Jeez. then... Puts her back in the bathroom, like puts her in cupboards and stuff in the bathroom. And then this dude's just like floating around St. Albans for a while, for like three days. And a couple of our buddies are state troopers. And it actually, it came out in news before we even knew about this, but another trooper got, went into the maple fields, like right down the road, mm-hmm. saw that. So, so at this point, the girl has like been reported missing. Yeah. No, no. Um, and they've put out his mugshot because he's the husband. And so mm-hmm. they're like, all right, if you've seen this dude, like, let us know. So a trooper walks into maple fields and like, sees this guy just like drinking a coffee. And he's like, Hey, are you Joseph? And the guy's like, yeah. He's like, you mind coming down to the station to, to talk to me and he's like yeah sure whatever cool he's like totally cool about it goes down to the station tells him exactly what he did how he shot her cut her up and then like tells her tells them she's in the van tells them where the van is and all this craziness all right so this is all like this is like making national headline news at this point this is last week i did not hear about this so this guy's mugshot pops up on the news and i'm like Oh, that guy looks a little bit familiar. Oh, no. 
Turns out he was a local tattoo artist at Body Art three years ago, like the tattoo parlor in Burlington, which is like the college scene in, in Vermont. Mm-hmm. Gave Allie, my wife, two tattoos. Jesus. My w- Allie convinced my mom to just get like a tiny little tattoo. She's like, I know this really good guy. His name's Joe. He's awesome. So like recommended her and like, <laughs> I don't know, 50% of the people at our gym have tattoos from this guy. Jesus Christ. And so it's just crazy. And to make matters worse, he gets put away. He commit, he admits to everything. He's like, yeah, this is like first degree murder. So he's going to jail for life already. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like things start popping up like, oh, well, his stepmother disappeared. Like there's a cold case on her. Like there's oh, all Jesus. like these these like unsolved murders that like might have to do with this guy. And okay, so I went with Ali to get these tattoos. I've sat in the room with that guy and like yeah. just shot the shit with him. Isn't that nuts? And he shot her with a Glock. And when I was in there three years ago, he had a Glock and like stuffed in his belt. And it's Vermont, so like people carry guns. So I didn't even yeah, think anything of it. Yeah. So yeah. Jesus Christ. There's That's your cliffhanger. Nuts. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> But yeah, that's just ah, small. I mean, I think if that were to happen, like in a big city, you'd never even know about it. But I think this could because Vermont is so small. Yeah, you know, it's it like is. everybody knows him. This one guy at the gym's like, hey, can you not? He's talking to one of our other state trooper buddies. Like, can you not like put this guy in jail? yet? He still has to finish my sleep. <laughs> wow. That so, is yeah, crazy. Kind of a wild story. I thought you might be interested in. Yeah, definitely. All right, but so you got to hop off. Yeah, I better uh, I better get get moving here. But I appreciate you having me on. This is a blast. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming on. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on in the future when I yeah, I'd love a little to, bit and we can. I'd love to come back. More. I'd love to come back. We'll we'll check back in with Sam Macy Designs and we'll check back in with Avery and friends. See how everything's going. Sounds good. All right. <laughs>